You are listening to Banana Leaf Reflections. Welcome to Episode 5, Family and Relationships, Part 2. This episode was recorded in Six Mill Studios via teleconference with Jeshu and T-Bless connecting from afar. As you listen, you may hear background noise cancellation, echo cancellation, and other sound artifacts that recent world events have made all too familiar. Listen to the sounds of your auntie's cooking. Smell the freshly picked curry leaves, garam masala, cumin, and anise. You hear your akka speaking your mother tongue from across the courtyard. Your uncles talking about their latest business deal. None of that matters, of course, because dinner is ready. It's time to take your place at the banana leaf. Welcome to episode five, and it's part two of family and relationships. <laughs> um, so Joshua and I are here, well, not together, but I did see her today. I visited her for a couple of hours. and We socially distanced. <laughs> yes, with masks and everything. Um, yeah, and we... The last time we left off was family and the conditional love that surrounds a South Asian family. Um, And this episode, we're going to transition into a little bit more detailed. um, And we're going to talk about the fatherlessness that is in our culture. And and also, fatherlessness doesn't necessarily mean you did not grow up without a father, but feeling father fatherlessness despite having a father in your household so that's the concept of today's episode and who knows i mean we go where the spirit leads yeah i feel like that's what happened the last couple episodes we went from like oh we're gonna have 20 minute episodes to i'm sorry guys it's it's 50 minutes oops i know (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah yeah um, and I think we're going to start off with um, me sharing a little bit of my story and how it plays into this episode. So uh, I grew up without um, a dad, without ever meeting my father. I'm 23 now, and I still have not met him. Um, the earliest I remember hearing about a father in general was maybe two years old when I started going to school. So until then, I just grew up with a mom and uh, my grandparents who raised me and my mama, my uncle. So I think when I went to preschool or nursery, whatever it was, I realized that, oh, every family has a mom and a dad and there's a puzzle piece missing in mine. And my mom tells me that uh, I went to my grandma and demanded her that, um, where is my dad? You all kidnapped him and hid him somewhere. (laughs) Um, And they were like, how do we explain this to her? But basically, um, my mom um, and my father were were married and I think together for maybe two years. 
approximately. And when I was a year old, he left us. Um, yeah, and he never looked back. I tried to, my mom told me when I was five years old on my birthday, they took me to his office to, um, yeah, you know, we do this thing. You take chocolates on your birthday and you give chocolates and sweets to yes. people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so apparently I took a box of chocolates and balloons and stuff and waited in his office for an entire day. And he knew I was there and he left through the back door. We didn't know that. Um, well, and it's really funny because I don't actually remember any of this. I feel like <laughs> the Lord has wiped my memory for a good cause. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's so interesting growing up without a dad in such uptight culture, man. Um, I, I don't think I really realized the pain of it until I lost both of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them died by, by the time I was three and a half, four years and we had to move to another place where we were living closer to our extended family. And that was when um, this pondering question in my life, why did he leave? What did I do? Like, what is my part in this? Mm-hmm. And without even being a part of the problem, I somehow had to experience the consequences of it. And it's already painful in the way my family friends, strangers, church responded to the fact that I was a fatherless child was extremely painful. Um, People like random people would the first question, you know, in our culture, you meet someone and the first thing they ask you is, what does your father do? Like, I don't know if you experienced that overseas, um, Jeshu, but yeah. Um, I think it's always like, so what do, what do both your parents do? Like, it's always yeah. like a, a set. They come in a set, you know, parents yeah. come in a set. No, there's uniqueness to families. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's something. There's something to, I think there is also in like a lot of cultures, it's very much like everyone comes in a set. And I think yeah. that the, the idea of a family unit yeah, is just, does it really have to be like that? Yeah, I mean, we talked in our last episode how our family defines us, you know, we like our identity is mm-hmm. part part of our family history. Um, and especially in Andhra, they would ask, like, uh, what does your dad do? That's the first question. And then they ask about your mother. And honestly, I think that was the one question I dreaded most in my life. Um, going to parties, functions, places I don't know, people I don't know. It's like, oh, another evening where, you know, I have to say that I don't know or I actually used to lie (laughs) um, for a major part of my life that he was in America or in Australia because, you know, people were like, oh, that way. Yeah, it was easier. Um, And people would be like, oh, did your dad call lately? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually spoke to him this morning. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But quite openly speaking on this episode I know who he is I grew up who you know reading his interviews and articles journals or whatever he's a big deal or he used to be a I was deal. super surprised um, yeah. when she was a little bit like a little baby freshy little baby first <laughs> she was so 
open about it. And, you know, me coming from an Indian African culture, I was like, whoa, whoa, we don't talk about this. Like, we don't talk about a person that's not part of your life or like, it's like a shameful part of your life. And so I was actually like, I wonder if it's that that's part of your healing was being able mm-hmm. to openly go, this is, the, this is the guy. I need you guys to know my real life. I'm not going to hide behind cultural barriers and lie anymore. And I think when you came yeah. here, that was one of your first, like, no, I'm a free person. I don't care who this guy is and how he's controlling mm-hmm. my life. Like I am going yeah. to be this, accept me or don't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is very true because like I said, I used to lie growing up Uh, majority of my school until 10th grade, my friends didn't know that, you know, he actually left us. They assumed that he's living abroad. Um, And I would just dread that question. And I remember this one time I was um, going to high school or junior college in our language um, and I would get to the bus stop at 7 a.m. every day and my mom would be with me and we would take the buses wherever we need to get to. And this one day my mom was not with me and this random auntie that I see her every day at the bus stop, don't know who she is, but we just nod and smile politely. She walked to me and she was like, I see you every day here, you know, where do you study and da 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 da. I was just being polite and answering. And then she was like, so I don't see your father at all. And this is a stranger at a bus stop who has been noticing and observing us for like months. And for somehow has the audacity, the word audacity. Audacity. <laughs> We're just talking about how this is our new word. <laughs> yes. To come and approach a, a 17, child. no, a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. And I just felt bombarded. And it's the shame, Joshua. Yes. It's just so deeply rooted with like not having a man in the house. And I just remember being like, is this how my life is going to be? Like, regardless of what I do, where I go, is this what that's going to kind of stain me? Mm-hmm. And then coming to the States, it's literally just freedom. Like, no one ever asked me. Very rare. It's very rare. But no one asked, asked me until I openly mm-hmm. shared with you. Because I don't even think you asked me when we first met. No. You were just like, so where are you from? And I was like, you know, I'm from Hyderabad. And you asked me what my major was. And then I mentioned that my mom was a doctor. But until then, like, you know, no one just asks. And that's what I love about being in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I just remember thinking, well, she's so brave. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do that. Like, I know all the k- kids who wouldn't do that. Um, but it was like, it was like one of those, like, watching you heal these last few years. Whoa. Yeah. Like, you were like yeah. a little baby 17 year old or something like you were a teeny, <laughs> tiny baby. Um, but like the shame, like there we come back to, you know, our families expect something. And then we have this like shame bondage type of situation when it comes mm-hmm. to even just someone who's supposed to be, I don't know, the man of the house. What is, what is the man of the house? Is, <laughs> like, like, what does that even mean? And yeah. <clears throat> I was just so exhausted being at home and constantly having to answer like no privacy at all. And, um, and the way my experience with church, a uh, bunch of churches I attended, like my mom isn't, isn't, is amazing. And she does so much ministry, but 
if something that has ever stopped her was that she was a divorced woman. And that was painful to watch. And, you know, she, she was supposed to get a promotion years ago and she still is not promoted in her job because she is a single, you know, woman. And it's just the level of respect goes down when they know at home that you are single in the church. I don't know, personally, I, maybe this might sound bitter, but I, I think the church doesn't do a good job making space yeah. no. for single parents. Doesn't doesn't matter if you know it's the mom taking care of the child or it's the dad. I feel like there's more sympathy for widowers. Mm, mm. That's my personal opinion, um, because you know the parent voluntarily does not leave. It's death, it's tragedy, or you know, yeah, whatever yeah. the cause is. But yeah, I'm, I was actually driving back from your house. I was thinking, and some of um, I think some of my most painful moments growing up was attending Father's Day, you know, in the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know about your church experience, but I used to dread those Sundays. And um, this particular church that we went to, they're just so obnoxious about Father's Day and Valentine's Day and stuff like that. I think it's worth to be celebrated, but your entire service should not center that like Christ should be the center um, right and my mom would feel very embarrassed during Valentine's Day because you know she's reminded of painful things from her own life and for Father's Day I remember this one time my mom was at night duty so I went to church by myself I was probably in sixth grade and um, I yeah the whole sermon was about like um, the pastor's kids testifying about their earthly father's love they had a cake, gifts, and all this celebration, which is fine. But they said something. One of the kids were like, honestly, like, if you don't have a father, I feel sorry because you're missing out on a lot. And I just remember sitting in the back and just really <laughs> trying to hold my tears. And I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm just going to get through the service. And I was really trying to escape, like, leave the church early after the service ended. And then a bunch of people came to me and was like, oh, that's right. You know, you don't have a dad. We're so sorry for you. And like tried to hug me. And I just like they had the fathers come up at the end of the service and had all the kids from the Sunday school come upstairs to the church service and did like father's blessing, prayer, whatever nonsense that is. And I just remember like, wow, now my Sunday school friends who doesn't who don't know that I don't have a dad now they know. Because now I'm on spot in a way. And I don't know, maybe I should be happy for them and celebrate. But I remember walking home and just sobbing. And I don't know. I don't think that's okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. But looking back, it caused a lot of pain in my life. And my mom and I would actually note down in our calendar the next Father's Day and just not go to church that day. It's, It's too painful. But... I don't know why a lot of churches don't think about including people with no dads. Like you don't even have to include, be sensible. Sensitive, be sensitive. Yes. And I think one of the things that is missing, especially when, if, if it's a church that speaks English, I find, or a church yeah. where it's predominantly English, it's like the translation from our language to English. They are rude. They are insensitive. And mm-hmm. guess what? 
they are children and children should not be speaking. Yeah. Wow. They should be, children should not be the ones going, well, I feel bad for you. Well, hello, you haven't walked those people's feet in those people's shoes. Yeah. The feet of people who are without another parent, they go through things that single family units don't go through. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, <laughs> like, it's so hard for me to even like, think of what you were feeling as a child and the fact that adults were adding on to Mm -hmm. the pain and the sensitivity and um it's it's i don't know it's so weird how words translate differently yes it's the way you say it like your intention might come from the right place but your execution is really poor. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And there were a couple of families in our church, you know, that lost their dad or, you know, another family, very similar story to ours. And if we go to church on Father's Day, we would all sit together, kind of like a solidarity thing. But then we would know people would be like, oh, look at them. All of them don't have dads and sitting together. So I remember after a couple of painful experiences, I started to kind of rebel in my own way and I would write like spoken word or poetry kind of to comfort myself and you know I was such a Jesus Jesus child <laughs> if that makes sense so I would write like poems about um heavenly father's love and stuff and I remember a couple of times I actually went on stage on father's day and recited the stuff to make a point in a way, like, I think I had to, I felt like I had to prove myself that I'm, I'm fine, even without a dad. Yeah. And looking back, I kind of cringe because I probably should not have done that because I know people were laughing at me and it was just looking back like, oh, Teresa probably should have just sat in the back. Um, but my, obviously my intentions were pure too, but looking back, it's like, I was 13 and I shouldn't be that hurt. Like, by the church that I felt like you know I had to feel like I have to go prove a point yeah I felt like they didn't make that space and I didn't see Jesus there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the point and people would always tell me oh you're just bitter or you know you just have to let it go and I remember being like why do I need to let it go you know the church is composed of different groups of people single you know married not married whatever but it's so focused on marriage that you're just like excluding everyone else. I know it brings me back to like my childhood when I was reading Bible stories and like I had the little like mm-hmm. abridged version of Lydia um, mm-hmm. who was in the Bible. And we don't hear about her husband. We just hear about her and her children. And like yeah. the way this this particular storybook was written, it was like, there was no father. He was, he was not in the picture and she opened up her home to the apostles and to the disciples. And she was a strong woman. She didn't need a man to be like, well, do we invite these strangers to our home or not? No, she literally was like, yeah, Yeah. I'm here. I'm providing for my family. I have a space for you. And that is so strong and so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But we don't talk about that. There's not much of representation or, up, you know, elevating those stories from the Bible because I feel like we're focused on a single story. 
you know, a successful marriage story that I think doesn't really exist. <laughs> it's a hard work, you know, and yeah, it's really, it's really sad. And then, you know, there's people like me who have not grown up without a dad. And then there's people who do have a father present in their life, but really that actually the dad is absent, you know, this weird emotionally. Yeah. Yes. Emotionally, because I, I don't know if we talked about this, but in our culture, um, parents are parents provide materialistically, like I'm paying your fee, you know, you live in my house for free. I'm giving you food. I'm giving you clothes. So you should be all set, <laughs> you know? Um, so I feel like the nurturing side of it mostly comes from the mom and are from the extended family. Yes. In a lot of ways, it comes from the aunts and the uncles or if there's grandparents, which I yes. didn't really have, it definitely comes from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then the word nurture, like, let's, let's go back to that. Like we've talked about family and, and nurturing. Well, what does that nurture look like? Are we thinking of a westernized form of it? Are we talking about an individualistic? Are we talking about communal? You know, mm. what does the word nurture mean for you? Um, I feel like the meaning changes definitely in context. Uh, if I'm like looking into my Indian life, <laughs> um, I think of like my great, um, great aunts or my grandma, my grandma's sisters who kind of raised me after she passed away. And, you know, they took care of me, like when my mom was working long hours, fed me and, you know, I stay, I used to stay with them. I see that. Um, but I think that what it means definitely changed what nurture means to me. Now it's just, I don't know. I just see this picture of a tiny, like sapling of a plant, mm-hmm. like, you know, growing and it's literally just being present, like emotionally present to someone younger than you and kind of, I don't know, it's, it's more gentle and I think our parents are gentle, but as a culture, we are very harsh. So I don't know how that would play, you know, because now that I explaining this to you, I feel like I'm still seeing materialistic providence as nurturing, but what does it actually mean? You know, yeah. I don't I, know. And I think now that I'm a parent of three girls and that yeah. three girls, um, <laughs> You know, in India, like that's like the girl is literally a waste of money because each of them has to give a dowry. Um, and then the fact that I am so blessed with my three daughters and mm-hmm. each one is nurtured differently. I remember this one time I asked my parent, one of my parental figures, I said, just maybe a few years ago. Yeah, I think after I had my children, I said, I said, you knew I was a gentle child. You knew I was a sensitive mm-hmm. child and you still disciplined me the way you did. Mm. How was that healthy? And she said, well, everyone around me told me how to. So I just went that way. It's almost like, hey, can you stop and think about that individual's child, like that indiv- in that child's individual needs? Yeah. Do we actually look at our children and our family members as individuals? We don't. I feel like we actually treat children like they don't have a brain. And even adults too, because we just want to pamper them and, you know, just take care of them, but in an unhealthy way where you don't get to 
use your own brain to make your decisions. It's literally like everything we do is <clears throat> someone told us, someone called us. Oh, can't make that decision. We got to go to someone who's done it before mm -hmm. or like, what? A I think we're getting away from <laughs> where we are, but like yeah. nurturing to being our own person to having parents per se, you know, top yeah. down, but what if they're not even present? Yeah. Emotionally. Like I come from a family where I have a mom and dad. And yeah. I come from an era where we only were allowed one child. So that was me mm -hmm. and ministry, 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 they're ministry folk. That's what they do. And I was with babysitters so much. I can hardly mm -hmm. remember the first five years of my life. Wow. And then the pendulum swung and we moved to Africa and then they were constantly there. So for the next 13 years, I couldn't breathe without one of them right there. Yeah. You know? And that's the difference because at least for you, you were able to go to school and you had your, you had space. I was homeschooled. And yeah. that brings me to this whole like, here I am. And I remember being like in 10th or 11th grade and I had like, I was studying chemistry and advanced math. And I remember thinking, oh, I just want my dad to sit here and like read this, these words to me. And yeah. He read it and he would, he was getting, he's trying to get agitated. And I was like, sir, I'm asking you to read these words because supposedly you're the head of my school. You're the principal. <laughs> and he gets mad at me because you know, I'm, I'm being a teenager. I'm being, you know, I'm, yeah. being, I'm being smart. Smart's a bad word. Smart's bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't be smart. Um, <laughs> and I remember him going, well, I don't, ha I, I haven't said anything or I haven't, I don't need to do anything. Your mother can do it. Then why wow. are you in my house? Why did you choose mm -hmm. to homeschool me? And I think that's why it's so hard for me now to homeschool my own kids. Because I'm like, where, where are those parental roles? And how can we emotionally, in a well-rounded way, support yeah. each child? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that your dad said... That's your mom's job. I feel like that's a way of making excuses, <laughs> especially in our culture. It's always like, oh, you have a problem. Please go talk to your mother. It's just an avoidance that I've seen in many fathers in, you know, in, in the lives of the people that we ministered growing up, family, friends. It's always the mom carrying the burden and, I don't think it's fair you do that. Like people think if you're a homemaker, you have nothing to do, but running a house is a hard job while, you know, making sure the kids are fed and you're taking yourself, taking care of yourself and taking care of your husband, who's almost a child. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like that's hard work. And I think this is why our children, I talk as if I have a child, but our, you know, our children turn out the way they do because you cannot have sole responsibility on one single person when you have the privilege of having a partner with you, you know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like we haven't been taught that both, both roles play a huge role. Like you can't just suddenly, they're teenagers, oh, I can't control more, so you must do this thing. It's like, 
Yeah. If you're with them every step of their childhood and every step of their decisions, they're little people. And I think I speak to my children like they are little humans. I mean, you've heard my middle one. Yeah. She is a grown up. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, you know, being an interracial, interracial, mm-hmm. interracial marriage, um, I tend to bring like a little bit of my Indian and African. But then I'm always like, I also balk when it comes to Western stuff. I'm like, no, no, I don't want, no, no. Like, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what I want because I've seen both sides of the coin, you know, you know, my dad comes from a very manly man and there's men in the home, but he was raised by his sisters, Mm. you know, that changes the way someone is. And then my mom, widow, single mother, Mm -hmm. multiple brothers, boarding school yeah and there's me like the way like she couldn't imagine like she thought she could fix my life ahead of time Mm. from anything that could hurt me wow but it didn't work (laughs) it it didn't work It, it never works because it's not in our control and I, and I do appreciate you bringing up the whole materialistic thing. They're like, but we took you back to India and you lived in a beautiful home and mm-hmm. you lived like this. And you were homeschooled and we trapped. I, I was a child. I didn't know yeah. any better. I literally just needed parents who would listen. Just hear yeah. me. Just, and now it comes down to, are you listening? Mm. You know? And I feel like you have that too, even coming from home. Yeah. Are you listening? Are you listening to what I'm going through? Yeah. It's almost like there's a veil between our generation and their generation. Mm. Because they're trying so hard to heal themselves. And we're also trying yeah. to heal ourselves. But there's this like. Mm. Yeah. Listening. I like that. I don't think we do, especially in our culture, because like. We said earlier, it's all about, oh, our ancestors did this, your grandma, your grandpa did this, this is what your aunts do, so this is how we're going to do. So we are not letting ourselves be human in a way. I don't even know if our, our people are in touch with their emotions because it's all just robotic, like we do this and we do this and we do this. And um, I think my mom did her best playing both the roles in my life um and I had my uncle honestly like he really took the role of a father you know as much as he can he used to take me for like dates on like my birthday time Christmas time that was like we would go shopping and I would I would get to pick anything regardless of the price and it would be in my hands and that that's the way that he showed you know love love. and those are like literally some of my favorite moments growing up but I think I wish I don't know I wish I paid more attention to what was going inside growing up without a dad like I had I really didn't have like a firsthand healthy experience with a man and you know like how would that shape me as a woman growing up you know how would that prepare me for my uh, you know relationship with my my work my education and if I ever meet someone how would that look like I don't know I feel like those needs were 
not met. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was like looking back at all the poems I wrote <laughs> growing up about a heavenly father, which is really true. I mean, God is my father, but that doesn't mean that I, you know, I still feel the emptiness. And, but I felt like because I loved God, I could not express that help the emptiness in my life because no, God is here. God will provide. So you have to be content with that. And maybe at one point I will get there, but I don't know. I feel like a whole part of me was shoved down because I was in ministry and, mm-hmm. and I was also the token person, the token fatherless child who has everything together, <laughs> you know? So I had to maintain that image and that was, I was so uptight. That's why I was so uptight when I was at home. And when I even came to the States, I mean, you saw me freshman year. I was just like, everything, like, everything's just like that weight carrying that. And then I feel like, you know, now I feel a little bit free because I don't have everyone poking their nose in my business. Mm-hmm. I try to keep up privacy as much as I can. But here but, we are sharing our story on a podcast. What are we doing? We're like, so I feel like I'm a really super private, personal. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you know me, you know, everything like Mm -hmm. you walk in my doors. You're my best. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I have those, those levels, but, um, sensitivity and being put on a pedestal. Um, and for you, you were, you were the token, like perfect child Mm -hmm. who doesn't need nothing's wrong with her. Yeah. I, on the other hand, was the perfect child with the perfect parents who did the perfect mm. ministry with the perfect, perfect everything. And, 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 the, and they do all the perfect things. And I remember I called my childhood pastor, I want to say like two, two and a half years ago. And I remember crying. I know my pastor's daughter is going to be listening to this. So yeah. Heads up. It's going to go down a rough path. And I remember crying on the phone to him saying, I am sick and tired of you thinking we're a perfect family. I'm sick and tired of you thinking that we are a close-knit family. I was like, I was forced to be near those people and I was forced to live ped- live on a pedestal and I'm sick of it. Yeah. And I'm sick of it. And like, here I am in my, my late 20s, right? And I'm like calling the pastor that I grew up with, like as a child going, did you even know me? Yeah. Did you even care? Like... What was so special about yeah. my family unit that no one cared? Yeah. I was living 10,000 plus miles away from my family. See, for, you know, and for you, you were near them. You were away from your family. But I was like completely like across the globe. Yeah. And, you know, you expect the church to be there to know, to hear. I remember being 17 and just having a really hard time. And my parents took me to my pastor's office. My pastor's known me since I was seven. Okay. Like, so at that point, it was been 10 years. And I'm thinking to myself, what does he know about me? Other than the show we put on every time we go to church. The once a week, I leave my house with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I just want to be normal, <laughs> like, yeah, ordinary, normal. Go, guess what? Families are hard. Mm-hmm. Single, single unit, mom, dad, cousins, extended, 
I'm tired of playing the whole we're perfect role. Yeah. Tired. tired of it. And then, of course, that goes back to are we sensitive? We're supposed to be robots. We can't get hurt. But what does hurt mm-hmm. look like? What does hurt look like? Yeah. Why aren't we allowed to grieve? And I, one of the things I want to talk about was you yes. grieving. Like you, and at five years old, you should be able to remember what you went through, but you don't mm-hmm. because your grief was so large, so heavy. No child needs to go through that. My grief yeah. was leaving my extended family and not understanding the dynamics between an elder sister and a younger sister and an elder brother and their role or like being married, like my mom being married to a low caste family and how that messes up family relationships yeah. and how that controls how you're raised. Yeah. But then we go back to the church. Yeah. No, Every- I really liked. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, we, we told ourselves we would not speak over each other. Yes. Um, but it's like, are we going to look at the pastor and the pastor's wife and their and the pastor's family and expect perfection? They're human. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> yes, I think we put them on a pedestal way too much, and it's the fault is on both the sides. As a congregation, we put them there. And as pastors or leadership roles, they like it there because mm-hmm. they like being in the spotlight. And there's nothing wrong with liking the spotlight. You know, we all want some light on us. And, you know, people saying, you're so amazing. You know, it's okay. But as a church, we have to be careful because then we start to look at the pastor, their life, their life and their children instead of Christ. Yes. You know, yes, what Christ yes. is calling us to do. So when the pastor's family mess up, we are immediately kind of blaming the Lord. But Jesus got nothing to do with this. The human. Human. <laughs> human yeah. beings. Human beings. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. You were going to say something before we interrupted each other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that you brought grief into it because... Um, I think I was grieving a lot growing up, but I didn't know how to name it because we don't know how to deal with emotions in our families and in our cultures. And it's this toxic mentality in the Christian culture that if you are really believing the Lord, following the Lord, you cannot be shaken by depression. You cannot be shaken by emotions. And I just, I, I, my instinct, um, my instinct to everything is shove it down. You know, I, growing up, I used to cry in the bathroom because I just felt like I couldn't cry openly because I didn't want to make my mom cry. Same. (laughs) Yeah. And always just hiding. I feel like I hid so much emotionally growing up and I was so sad during my teenage years looking back, you know, I was just sad. And my mom couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out why. And now looking back, it's like depression. I was so depressed. You know, I was. That's, that's another thing. We, we don't take into account the human body and the hormones of the serotonin and the endorphins, mm-hmm. uh, even the weight of our schooling. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. But here we are expected to dance the dance and talk the talk and walk the walk. For what? Your neighbor? The person down the street? The person sitting across from you in church? Yep. 
the one who sent their child to America? Oh, yeah. We don't let ourselves grieve at all. I think, I don't know. I want to, I don't want to make being fatherless as a signature of my life, but it had a huge impact on me. But I feel like I didn't have enough space to talk about it openly without the fear of hurting my family, you know, because my mom really did work hard to raise me. So I don't want to say anything that would hurt her heart while she's also healing on her own. So it's just, and the church or my mentors or anything that didn't help because I was putting this nice picture of Blessy is amazing. You know, Blessy writes poetry. Blessy wants to become a doctor and, you know, and Blessy is now in the States and it's great. I mean, most of it is true, but I don't know. I feel like I just hide. You know, you had to put yourself in a box and even, especially when I feel like when you live abroad, because mm-hmm. like, um, they're watching no matter yeah. what you're doing, they're watching. Especially without a man in the house, you have to be careful. You cannot talk to other men. You cannot post pictures of yourself, you know, anything like anything just wild and my version of wild is wearing a dress, but you know, <laughs> I wore a dress. <laughs> I wore a dress for homecoming one year, and I had a sister-in-law go literally comments, comments on my picture. Does your mother know? Yes. No, I don't know. I'm in college. I don't care. I got to wear a dress for five seconds before there was ten feet of snow outside. Like. Yeah. When I got married and did my thing and had children, I remember my father came in. Like, he and I have a relationship. Like, he was my favorite person. I don't have any more favorite people in my life because I just am, like, so hurt. It's, like, so painful to be a human. But it's also so beautiful to know there's people out there that remember you when you were little and know you and, like care about you and they like will make these comments and you're like such a grown-up now and you're like no no it's like there is something beautiful about our culture but we're still unlearning it and learning it and learning what is healthy and toxic and I lost my train of thought again didn't I (laughs) that's okay I just (laughs) I just wish um people would put like for example my father under the microscope instead of shaming me and my mom that was like my problem with the church and with the people who mistreated us like no one ever thought that someone like me with just a mom no family literally my uncle died my grandparents died all my clothes blood relatives everyone you know not like religious but immediate family they're all dead and no one ever thought that I would go to America and when that happened, people were just like shook. They were like, what? You got into a school in America? Like, how did that happen? And I'm like, why? Just because I didn't have a father, you just saw me as useless, <laughs> you know? And it's almost like a protest in itself that, you know, I'm, I am letting myself shine and I have, to, I have to tell myself it's okay. Just because yes. he is not present in my life doesn't mean that I have to be a destitute or, you know, or have that kind of wire where I'm just sad all the time and, 
you know, have no purpose in life. Like, no, I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> For someone who walked away, why waste your tears? Why yeah. waste your grief? Why waste your put all that energy into you and you have become an incredible, incredible human. You're doing grad school. Like, yeah. girl, <laughs> I don't even know how we're getting these done. <laughs> you know, I know. These podcasts are crazy. And I, you know, we've been traveling constantly and coming yeah. to the realization of, oh my goodness, look, all these things we're doing as parents and thinking our parents are their own thing. Our, our parents, our parents have, have, they have lived more life than we might ever live, yeah. you know? Um, but we've got to step out of the box when yeah. it comes to families. We have to learn how to respond to grief and depression and anxiety and hormones and yeah. serotonin levels. Also, the brain is an organ and it does mm -hmm. hurt. Um, yeah. We are still human. Um I may come from a home that has a mother and father, but I still carry my own pain. It's so funny mm -hmm. how like where we grew up in different parts, but we, we did the same thing. Like, I wasn't allowed to cry, laugh. Like I didn't even, I stopped laughing. I just remember like, as you can see this like progression of pictures of me and I just stopped smiling. Wow. That's deep. Um, Jesus is everything, but Jesus grieved. I mean, when, before mm. he went up on that cross, he literally wept blood <laughs> yeah and when he saw his best friend in the grave he grieved mm. i think there's so many beautiful pictures of grief you know yeah in the bible but we come back to being human in our culture and you know my grief was being ten thousand miles away and not knowing the dynamics of who i've become without my extended family and you the dynamic of being in church with a small church family especially and with extended relatives yeah and how that molded you so i think we've come to the end of father parents fatherless yeah family uh family in the church <laughs> um yeah i've really enjoyed seeing people uh, responding to the Q and A's and like some of the, some yeah. of the things you've been doing. Thank you. I've been <laughs> gone and me trying okay. to like, I was like telling one of my friends, I'm like, I'm completely irrelevant to the Instagram world. I don't know how <laughs> it works. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. I enjoy doing it. And I'm really thankful people are beginning to interact. We've had great, um, engagement in the last couple of weeks and yeah we wanted to do a part two because this is a part of story being fatherless is almost always pressed down um these yeah. are the stories you don't really hear much in our culture and we still carry those fragments of superstition and yes shun yes. yes shunning the divorced families or, or the widowers or widows. yes yeah yeah. And it's also, sorry, I'm taking this back, but it's funny how we still do it, even living in the States. Like I met Indian families here who have settled in the States who will still ask me, um, what does your dad do? And I remember I was at this church and this auntie came and asked me, 
Um, like, you know, I was introducing myself out of respect because, you know, we have to, if you see another brown person, especially if you're younger then oh my gosh, please go say hi. So I was just being nice and polite. And she was like, Oh, so what does your dad do? And I was just like, my dad left us. <laughs> because it's been a while since people have asked me that question, I got out of habit. So it's like, yeah, he left us, you know, I'm from a divorced family. And she and the way she looked at me, Jeshu, it just changed. She was like, So how are you here? And I was like, I got scholarship. I graduated. My mom is a doctor. And she was like, Oh, she's a nurse. I'm like, no, no, she is the patient. Excuse me. Our people are shameful. You don't know this person, and they have the audacity. audacity to change their view on you because of some xy chromosome whatever their chromosome what is their chromosome <laughs> i don't even know what they are those other creatures in this world because it yeah. brings you value this that is yeah. not your value your value is not some person mm. wow this is a therapy session <laughs> i love it yeah but i think it's time we change that attitude you know, we have to grow up, like literally grow up. I'm sorry that not all families have a mother and a father. We are evolving. We are progressing. And you can't just be where you are. Modern families are going to shake India and shake the world. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. It's not a sin against God to not have some other, like two people raising mm -hmm. children, like, I think Mary did this on her own. Jesus didn't have a dad. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. This is the end of this episode and our small series on family and relationships. And we will be back soon with probably our final episode for this season. Yes. Yeah, it's been it's been hard even getting time to do this and yeah traveling and doing all the things and grieving church and putting putting people on pedestals we we kind of touched on it a little bit but um the south asian yep. church and the south asian people have been shaken and, yeah you know, i think as south east asians south indians we are kind of in this space to speak up and speak out Mm -hmm. Um, I really think it's only we are allowed to do that in our own way. Yeah. Um, because it's our people. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Um, thank you. Thank you for being patient with us, but you know, skipping last week and we might actually, we kind of like this progression. Maybe every other week we take a little break and kind of yeah. come back together. But, um, Wow, five episodes in and we're hitting some big topics for us. This is kind of like raw personal info, people. Um, thank you for sitting and listening with us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this has been Banana Leaf Reflections. A special thank you to Six Mill Studios for producing this podcast as well as composing the original music. Thank you for joining us at The Banana Leaf, and don't forget to subscribe to hear more from Jeshu and T-Bless. See you next time.